Board Rounds, episode number 35. The moment you step foot on campus as a medical student, you are gearing up for one of the biggest tests you'll ever have to take, USMLE Step 1 or Comlex Level 1. The medical school headquarters and board vitals are going to help you prepare for your first board exam with questions, pearls of information, and guidance to make sure you have what it takes to score high and match into your specialty of choice. Welcome to Board Rounds. I hope you're having a great day. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, and as always, or most recently, I'm joined by Dr. Mike Natter. You can find him on Instagram at mike.natter. If you are looking for some more help with your step one or level one prep, look no further than Board Vitals. Go to boardvitals.com, check out their amazing QBank, where you can have all of the questions that you are going to need to prepare for your USMLE or Comlex level one, USMLE step one, it's over 1,700 questions they have in their QBank with amazing explanations and resources to help you understand why each question is right, why each answer is wrong, and help you really get down to the information that you need to know to get the score you need to match into the specialty that you want. Again, go to boardvitals.com. Use the promo code BOARDROUNDS for 15% off. Dr. Mike Natter back for some more board rounds. I'm feeling excited. Things are going well. Excited to have you on as my co-host. I want to know what is uh, next in line for you art-wise. Where do you find your inspiration for your art? Oh, man, that's a great question. Um, thanks for asking that, actually. You know, it's funny. I like thought we were going to jump into some some cardiology and some medicine, but it's, it's important to kind of be a real person and to have something that gets you through all this studying and the long nights. So I love to draw. It keeps me anchored and I always draw my inspiration from my experiences in life. And so my life right now is entirely enthralled in the hospital. So I, I have a handful of things that I do that are kind of more whimsical and funny and comical that kind of poke fun at the culture of medicine Sometimes I do more didactic stuff to help me learn and retain information about, you know, medicine and treatments and things that I'm learning in the hospital. And then every now and again, I will just do something a little bit more kind of a graphic novel type piece to deal with some of the more emotional, heavy stuff that we deal with in the hospital as well. That's awesome. Where, where, if, if a student wanted to learn how to draw like you do, do you have any like resources that you send people to? Like, this is how to learn to draw. So I, I actually, and this might be an unpopular opinion, but I think we all know how to draw instinctively. If you think about it, Ryan, when you were a kid, did you draw and paint and doodle and color? Of course. <laughs> it wasn't pretty, but I did it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the point, right? Like we all, we all do it. We all grew up like very naturally inclined to do so because the, you know, visual imagery is, is universal. Like everyone can understand that. And it's so innate to us. And then something really terrible happens and we stop. Yeah. And I think we stop because there's a multitude of reasons, but like culturally it's not valued as much. Um, we become self-conscious and we realize it's not as good as we wanted it to be. And I actually think that it's such a normal thing to do is to, to draw and create and create these images. So I just think just doing it because the process is almost more important than that product. It's funny. It reminds me of the the TED talk of Sir something something uh, talking about education and how it just beats the creativity and and enjoyment out of us as kids. 
So mm-hmm. it's true. Yeah. It's true. The the one thing I can draw. So when I was 11, I had a, a ruptured appendix and was in the hospital for two weeks. And Oy. I learned how to draw Barney Rubble from the Flintstones. <laughs> so I haven't drawn him in a while. I think I think I'll draw him and I'll I'll put him up on Instagram at some point to uh, you should you should make him show my skills. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So. Speaking of auscultation, we've done a ton of that lately. Hopefully, since I've used up my reserve of of heart knowledge, hopefully we've moved on to something else this week. We are we're auscultated out, I think. Yeah. Okay. We're going to do something a little different this time. What do we have for us? We got a little bit of some infectious disease type questions oh, going your way. My least favorite, but uh, hopefully I'll I'll stick with it. It's a very cerebral field. It's quite interesting. Okay. <laughs> Shall we jump in? Yeah. All right. We have a 35-year-old man who presents to his primary care physician with a three-day history of increasing shortness of breath and a productive cough with green sputum. He has no significant past medical history. Physical exam reveals decreased breath sounds and dullness to percussion in the right lower lung field. A sputum sample is obtained and sent for gram staining. It demonstrates large numbers of gram-positive coccyte in chains. When these cells are cultured on a blood agar plate, an alpha hemolytic reaction is observed. Based on these microbiology results, which of the following is the most likely diagnosis? Oh, so here's so so here's where uh, and maybe a lot of students are with me on this. Maybe a lot of students are are not. But pharmacology and and <laughs> microbiology, whatever you want to call this, from medical school were my worst or least favorite subjects because for me, they were just straight up memorization and there was nothing to understand. And so I I think that's why even to this day, I like, I fight against these questions. I'm like, no, I don't, I don't want to know. And, you know, I'm with you entirely. And and to that point, like there is nothing to understand rote memorization, but then even further now clinically as I'm practicing, you know, I click, I, I, I draw my culture, I send off my sputum. And then in the, in the, in the system, when it pops back up, it doesn't say, it'll say gram positive coccyne clusters, but then it'll say significant for, or consistent with yeah. it just, it's there. It you gives know? you the there's answer. No, there's, there's no more of this, uh, you know, uh, trying to, uh, spit out what I remembered from, yeah. from, from this is not the early 1900s where it's like, <laughs> Oh, I see lots of gram positive coccyne. What do I, what is that? I forget. <laughs> Oh man. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those things. It's like, okay, let's like handwriting, right? We don't need to learn handwriting anymore. We don't need to learn this crap anymore in med school, make room for other stuff that that's important. I I thoroughly agree with that. I think it's a good, a good thing to be exposed to, but I don't think we need to be tested on it. That's going to kind of dictate where we get in for residency. Yeah. All right. Well, with with that, go ahead and read the answers and see if we can figure this out. (laughs) Now back to the question. So A, Haemophilus influenza pneumonia, B, Klebsiella pneumonia, C, Staphylococcus aureus pneumonia, D, Streptococcus agalactae pneumonia, or E, Streptococcus pneumonia, pneumonia, pneumonia. (laughs) Pneumonia, pneumonia. I'm... I am just just butchering. <laughs> should, should, yeah. I, should I start from the top? No, no, that's good. Oh, we we good? Okay. That. Yeah, I like that. Um, it shows that even a third year resident struggles pronouncing this stuff. Oh, I can't. Yeah, these yeah. are just horrible. Which is good. I like it. Um, so, 
I'm not even going to pretend to know where to start with this. Um, so my my assumption, right? You have this three day history. I'm like, oh, it's walking pneumonia. What does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> like, oh, like <laughs> community acquired pneumonia. Which which uh, uh, bugs are associated with that? And and for some reason, strep is like the one that pops out as as a community community acquired pneumonia. Um, and and I don't know, like agalactate pneumonia i'm like i don't know what that is so i would just go with e but uh that's just for some reason strep stands out as the community acquired and and so pneumonia pneumonia sounds fun no yeah right you nailed it so that's exactly right and and i think your logic is actually really sound here because like we said like the idea of just rote memorization but you're putting it together into a clinical picture which is so much more important so when we think of a young healthy 35 year old guy he's got no medical history yeah so he's just picking up something in the community this guy isn't immunocompromised this guy's not a child this guy doesn't have you know all these other things he doesn't have hiv so that means that he's going to likely pick up the most common, um, you know, form of pneumonia in the community, which happens to be strep pneumo. So you nailed it. Back, but to get to the micro point, strep pneumo is to the two kind of things you really want to think about when you think strep pneumo in terms of a micro standpoint is you're going to have your gram positive cocci and chains. And then also it's going to be on blood agar, it's going to be alpha hemolytic. So however you want to find a way to um, kind of uh, tuck that into your memory, um, draw a picture, create an affiliation, think of a story, those things are, are definitely worth, unfortunately, memorizing for test purposes. Mm. What about uh, homophilus? It sounds very familiar as a very common bug as well. How do I, is it really just alpha hemolytic strep pneumo and, and move on? Um, so it, it's, it's that to a degree, but, uh, we can walk through these. So when yeah. I think of H flu, I'm thinking of a young kid, I'm thinking of, um, I, I want to say, and please correct me if I'm wrong. I want to say like inner ear infections typically are H flu. Um, you can get a pneumonia with H flu, but these are typically going to be seen in young kids or immunocompromised patients is what I remember. Okay. And what about the other uh, ones? Do you remember anything about the other ones? Yeah, so Kleb, um, you'll you'll see Kleb typically also in immunocompromised folks. Uh, Kleb Ciella, um, I want to say this is the one where you're going to get that um, current jelly sputum. Does that sound oh, familiar? Oh yeah, that that sounds delicious. That sounds delicious. I mean, just grossness. But <laughs> when you see the current jelly sputum in a in a stem um, of a hospitalized patient who's uh, just hacking up a lung. Uh, Kleb, I think is, is one. Um, I, I have to admit ignorance in terms of the microbiology. I want to say it's like a, like a lactose fermenter. There's like all these other kind of pieces that in, in all obvious, in all, um, uh, um, transparency, I haven't necessarily retained. Um, but I, I don't think that that Klebsiella is an alpha hemolytic, yeah. uh, uh, guy. Okay. Uh, staff. So staph aureus, um, staph can cause like all these different things, but a staph aureus pneumonia is really bad. Um, the, this is not going to be someone who's just kind of strolling in. Like you can get real sick with a staph, um, um, pneumonia staph, I believe is a beta hemolytic stress. Uh, no, no, no. Beta hemolytic. Is it beta hemolytic? Mm -hmm. I have to look that up actually. Um, but I don't think it, well, it, first of all, it's not, it's definitely gram positive, but I believe yep. it's, um, in, um, cl uh, clusters, not chains. Is okay. that right? I don't know. Oh man, this is sounding terrible. I'm going to, no, this is going to, I'm, I'm actually a little <laughs> embarrassed. I'm going to just quickly, 
We can, um, we can edit that out as you Google it. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to edit it out. I'm going to call up. I'm going to consult Dr. Google real quick. This is embarrassing. I should know this. I want to say it's don't, don't confuse your Dr. Google with my medical degree. <laughs> <laughs> I literally have that needle pointed on my wall for my mom. <laughs> um, all right. It is, it's a bacillus. So that's first and foremost. So it's not Cox, uh, Cox. I. All right. Let's see. It is. Okay, so Staph aureus is a gram-positive round-shaped bacterium. It's catalase positive, which is also a good differentiator from others. So Staph aureus is a uh, bacillus, not a cocci. So that is going to help differentiate that from strep. Okay. Stre- uh, strep agalactae is, if I recall, typically what you'll see uh, neonates get as they pass through the birth canal. I think that's kind of, you see this typically in neonates getting, um, most commonly it's, it's a pathogen causing, um, meningitis, I believe. Um, you can definitely get a pneumonia, but very rare. Um, and I think this one is also, I want to say this might be beta hemolytic as well. So it's going to be difficult to differentiate just based on that. But I'm, I can't recall the, uh, the gram standing for that. So I'm not sure. I just, I did a quick Google uh, yeah, for that cool. one. And it, it's, it's what's known as most people, as you said, for, for the neonates as the, the group B strep that women are uh, tested for before they give birth. So right. it's definitely that okay. one. So we'll associate it with that. And then lastly is the correct answer of strep pneumo, most common. Um, you'll see that in the community almost all the time. Um, and then it is also very much affiliated with what we said before, the alpha hemolytic reaction, as well as the gram positive and coccyx and pairs. So what about treatment protocols? Because I know STEP loves to do these like third, fourth removed questions. So they may give you the same question stem and then be like, what is it treated with, right? What is this uh, potential pathogen treated with? Yeah, so um, that's actually very true. So they're gonna they're gonna give you all this stuff, and you're gonna be reading the question. I'll, I remember this vividly. I'd be taking step one. And, oh my god, I know the answer. I know the answer. And then you get to the end, and they're like, they give you the answer. They're like, yeah, we know it's strep pneumo. What are you gonna treat with it, or what's the mechanism of action of the treatment? All this nonsense. So it's important to kind of tie in your head that when you have a strep pneumo infection, you can very easily treat with a penicillin G or amoxicillin. So a penicillin type drug, it's what's going to help treat you here. Ooh, and what if you're allergic to penicillin? Uh, so if you're <laughs> allergic to penicillin, you can probably do, um, I want to say you can do a third generation cephalosporin. There's a little bit of crossover, but not too much. Or if you really need penicillin, you can desensitize someone. But for a strep pneumo infection, there's other options. All right. Going back to that pharmacology, right? Mixing pharmacology and the micro, which I hate. Our least favorite. <laughs> yes, but at least we got some some good uh, some good pearls of wisdom here for this one. So uh, don't go out and get community acquired pneumonia. I think that's the take home message for this one. All right, so there you have it. Another board rounds for you, helping you on your journey to crushing your first round of board prep. Whether that's Comlex Level 1 or USMLE Step 1, I hope this was helpful for you. Another great episode in the books. Stay tuned for more great episodes here in the future. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you can get it for free every week. Again, go to boardvitals.com. Use the promo code BOARDROUNDS for 15% off the QBank to help you prepare for your Step 1 or Level 1 exams.
This is MedEd Media.